Feels like ages since I've recorded. It's weird going from recording every day to not. First of all, just thank you to everyone who said such lovely, lovely things about those John Forbes episodes. I really appreciate it a lot. I I might come back to it um, at some point and just go through all the really cool interpretations that people got in touch with because it turns out there's even more to that poem than I even realized. This is just a little bit of fluff, this episode. But to get into it, I I want to tell you a story. When I was in high school, my best friend and I had the same name. We still have the same name. Her name is Alice. My name is Alice. And so to differentiate us, we had nicknames. My nickname was Nice Alice. And her nickname was Nasty Alice. (laughs) The fact is, she wasn't nasty at all. She really wasn't. She was just slightly more direct than I was. But I really, I really loved the fact that I was nice, Alice, if I'm honest. That really meant a lot to me. I don't think I could have withstood being thought of as nasty, Alice. And that's been a, a theme for me throughout my whole life. I'm, I'm very nearly 40 and I still struggle if I feel like I'm being perceived as anything other than nice, even though really I hate the word. I depend on it and I hate it. What I'm really starting to get now that I'm quite a bit older than I was in high school is that there is a really big difference between people-pleasing, being nice for the sake of somebody's good opinion, and being genuinely kind. And I think a lot of the time I come across as nice because I'm faking it. I really am faking it. And where that ends up is a very lonely place because people think you're nice because you've done a whole bunch of really convincing fakery and then you realize that nobody actually knows you. This is all a very deep way to get into quite a light conversation, really. Eleanor and I came up with this idea a couple of months back. We were thinking about the Forward Prize, which she has been looking at over on her YouTube channel. Uh, She did a bunch of really great reviews of the books that were nominated for the Forward Prize. But we also realized that there were single poems up for the prize as well. The Forward Prize is a a big prize over in the UK and the single poem, the winner, gets a thousand pounds. So the shortlisted poems, and this doesn't always happen, but in this case, the shortlisted poems for the Forward Prize um, have been published online for a while now. So our idea was, why don't we look at these poems and why don't we decide who we think should win and what the top five, what our top five is, each of us, and then compare and contrast. One of the great things about being friends with Eleanor is that her appetite for difficulty is just so much bigger than mine. Uh, She's got a lot more patience for complexity and for poetic strategies that leave me often a little bit exhausted. Uh, She's just a smarter reader than I am. So I thought 
if we did this together, we would come up with really different lists and we would uh, each be able to make a case for the poems that we liked and, and didn't like so much. And I had a lot of fun having this conversation with Eleanor, but afterwards, and like I said, I recorded this a couple of months back, I kind of sat with this and thought, can I actually put this out? And listening back, I don't know, it's pretty mild, but I don't think I've really said much on this show that ever comes close to to criticizing the work of a living poet, which is sort of a wild thing to realize because it's not as if I don't have those opinions. I don't like everything. I'm not crazy. (laughs) But I do feel uncomfortable and I think it comes back to the nice Alice thing. So I suppose I'm putting this out as a bit of a challenge to myself. I'm also putting it out because I hope that you'll like it. But I'm just wondering uh, if, if the poets who we talk about here, if they come back to me and they say you're wrong and you have completely misunderstood my work and I, I, I resent you for putting this out, will, will I be able to withstand that? Probably not is <laughs> the answer to that one. But look, um, I'm putting myself in this position, so i got to wear it. When we recorded this, I was thinking about how hard it is to do this kind of work, to actually judge a prize. And I said to Eleanor, you know, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I don't have to do this because this is really hard. Like to do this for real would be really, really hard. And since then, I have been asked to judge an actual prize, like an actual big deal kind of real thing and I'm astounded at this and I've also been thinking as I've been listening back to this I've been thinking about how okay well it's time to come up with some proper critical criteria for myself A, a lot of the time I'm operating mostly on instinct and I think that's a way of of not admitting to myself and to other people what I what I actually really like and don't like. And again, it's because I don't I don't want to upset someone. But I gotta make some decisions now. I've got books in my house that that need me to look at them and think critically and have a have an opinion that I can back up and that I believe in. And so I am gonna do that. I would hate for you to listen to this and think, Jesus Christ, she's th- this is the person judging this prize? I will be taking it more seriously than I am in this conversation with Eleanor. But again, I had a lot of fun. I hope that you have a lot of fun listening to it. I think the other thing that, that might be worth saying here, uh, well, first of all, is that you'll get a lot more out of this episode if you do have a look at the five poems that we are going to talk about. If you have a minute to scroll down to the show notes and just open up those poems. And yeah, also just to say that I am so willing to be convinced uh, if, I'm, if I'm wrong here in either direction, feel free to let me know what you think, what your 
what your list would be. I always love hearing from you. But for now, here is Eleanor and maybe not so nice Alice. Yo, Taylor. I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. So what we're going to do today is we've decided to judge the forward prize, which is a big schmancy prize out of England. And there are five poems shortlisted for the forward prize for a single poem. The winner gets a thousand pounds, which is probably just enough to pay your gas bill. And it's going to be announced at the end of November. But we are getting ahead of those guys and we are going to give our hot takes and judgments on these five poems we are indeed yes Yes. i've got my english breakfast cup of tea and i'm ready to go me too me too (laughs) um first of all how do you feel about actually judging these poems of of people that we've never met or heard of before oh i actually uh i thought it would be a fabulous idea until i sat down with with that mindset and i really don't like that mindset when reading poems however once i allowed myself to to i took on the mantle of the judge (laughs) i have inflated my ego and now it's like you can't stop me now i'm judging everything and i'm not good enough (laughs) okay i hope i can get to that I feel uncomfortable. Uh, I know you would. I can nice. never, I can never get away from the fact that these are real people, real living people. And if I'm going to talk shit about them, there's there's a chance that they might listen. Um, but I do have some shit to say. Mm-hmm. There's some mm-hmm. of these poems I don't, I don't love every aspect of them. Shockingly, um, yeah, I'm just going to have to get over that. What Al Phil Reese always says at the start of his long-running podcast poem talk is, we're going to talk and maybe even disagree a bit. And my hope is that you and I are going to disagree completely and strongly so that if I am against a poem, you will cheerlead for it and vice versa. Absolutely. But should that not happen, <laughs> I, I, also, I think we need to remind ourselves we're talking about the poems they are entities in and of themselves. We're not we're not talking about the poets themselves. I think that's that's important. I think it's possibly harder with some of these poems than others because they're clearly autobiographical, super personal, super personal, distressing. So I think we have to be able to differentiate those those two yeah things. yeah and look if in in the in the alternate universe where anyone cared enough to actually listen to this who had written one of these poems um just know that this is all my damage and nothing to do with you <laughs> oh come come now you can blame it on me <laughs> <laughs> it was Eleanor's idea I don't okay. have a podcast to blame it on me <laughs> it's- it's that guest. <laughs> All right. Without further throat clearing, ass covering and bullshit, let's hear what was your number five, a.k.a. your least favourite of these. Okay. my le- Coming in at last place, number five, is Nick Laird with Up Late. What the hell? 
I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I I serve you, Alice. Cold. I serve you. You are stone cold. Nothing can stop her. All right. Describe what this poem is, Eleanor. Okay. Um. Look. Uh, see, I immediately want to say. It's really actually very good. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I had some, something had to go last, but no, I'm not going to do that. I think this is, this is a, a, first of all, it's a very long poem. And of course, I'm hoping that the read, that the um, listeners will read along. So I'm hoping they'll, you know, they'll go and have the poem in front of them. Yeah. Have a little skim on your phone while you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, the experience of a man who's during COVID, everyone has to remain at home. His father gets COVID, has to go to hospital, is in intensive care. He cannot be visited and he's clearly going to die. Oh my God, I sound like such a bitch that this is the last scene. You <gasps> do. Just, yeah. But, but <laughs> it, look, can I just can I just say, you know, like I'm I'm judging a poetry contest. I'm not I'm not judging a relationship. I, I this is, you know, this is not personal whatsoever. No, but so also, the, this is kind of the thing, like I, I know you listen listen to my chat with Ursula. Mm -hmm. Like there's something here about like subject matter making it really hard to judge something. I don't I don't really have a fully formed thought around that. I think that's probably like very naughty, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah. it's a, it's an elegy for his father who died of covid. Yes. And it's long. It's long. It's written in it what it feels like it's being written as a type of uh a therapeutic, it's a therapeutic writing in real time. So whatever is actually happening to his father is in the hospital is described, uh, his own thoughts and feelings as he progresses through the stages of uh, grief leading up to the death and then following the death. Um, that it's a sequence, it's, it's a sequence so it's one poem, but it's a it's sequence. It's got little asterisks, little stars in between, and it has several different forms. And um, the voice goes back and forth, different tones. Yes, it goes from very high diction to uh, second to last stanza ends. And at this moment, you might get up and speak clearly to everything, creation, extinction, infinities rising within you. Then the last stanza begins, Alistair Laird is dead. Fuckity fuck. Fuckity fuck fuck fuck. Fuck. My dad is dead. Bad luck. Yeah. So that, I mean, that kind of, I think maybe gives a little bit of a snapshot of the poem, but all right. Well, well why, why don't, why did you like this one the least? We're not saying that you didn't like it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, if I if I saw it in a book of poems, I'd go, eh, you know. But <laughs> so, <laughs> I wouldn't say this is the worst poem I've ever read. Well, for example, you just read that last bit, and the way it starts, just to compare, 
It starts, if I shut my eyes to the new dark, I find that I start to experience time in its purest state, a series of durations rising and dilating beneath my inwards gaze. That that goes on for a quite a long stanza. And I felt it was an extraordinarily weak beginning. Agreed. But, Hated the beginning. Yeah. And of course, I can see what he's doing because he wants the contrast with the second part of the the second part of the sequence which is my father died today sorry to bolt that on that's what i was thinking because i love that transition you have to mm -hmm. get there from somewhere but that first stanza is so heavy yeah so yeah i almost gave up on it immediately because of that first stanza me too me mm. too but it didn't really win you over much afterwards it sounds like Look, it it did at times, but not, but really not enough. I felt that it was, um, it felt, for want of a better word, messy. It's messy. It, it wasn't consistent, and again, I can understand that. That's you know, these are the these are the real time thoughts and feelings of this um of this man but for me that it lost the power so i wasn't emotionally engaged i felt distanced from their father-son relationship i realize of course i respect the fact that within the poem it's obvious that it's not you know what i like about the poem is that it's not this um saccharine sweet father-son relationship and you get a feel of what it's about. But um, but then you have odd moments. For example, um, there's a stanza that's a play on ICU. So he says, the icy ward, next line, the ICU, next line, I see you too. Yeah, that's terrible. Terrible. I, you know, I, that really took me out completely. Mm. Um, and then the change in voice um, in um, when he changes to second person and he talks directly to his father, he, I felt, this is, well, I have it on page five. He, it was very, very on the nose. And it's funny because I looked him up, you know, in the little bio and I see he's a screenwriter. And what, what he's trying to do is to get information about his father into the poem. But it really felt on the nose. After your stroke, you were born once more. You know, this is what you did. Then you were in Kenya. Then you moved to Germany. It's like, ugh, I, 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 it didn't really work for me. <laughs> That's your number five. All right. Well, I'm going to move us along at, at something of a clip here so that we can get to all five other ways, because I think we could probably just talk about that nuclear poem for an hour. Yeah, you must uh, tell me if I'm taking too long. No, no, no. That's fine. You're all good. But yeah, I would happily talk about it for an hour. Um, my number five was Claire Pollard's poem, Pollen. <gasps> wow. Oh, good for you, my friend. Good for you. Oh, we are such I have never nerds. been more proud of you. <laughs> okay, so let me just let me just explain the headspace in which I come to something like the Forward Prize. I lived in London for a while. I had a shit time. I went to events run by um, the 
the Forward Foundation and and just just had a terrible time. Felt like everybody was very unfriendly, uh, and it was very it was a very worthy space, and I hated it. Um, so I come I come in with a bad attitude. I also come to this poem with dread because pretty much immediately I know it's a lockdown poem. I have read one good lockdown poem and I've read like, I don't know, 10 terrible ones. Uh, and what makes them terrible for me is that they smooth the edges and they make pretty an experience that I want to sound like March of the Pigs by Nine Inch Nails. Yes. Yes. And, and that is what Claire Pollard does here. Um, it's short. It is a poem about, again, it's a lockdown poem. It was best if we just locked ourselves away. Pollen came piled in our street like snow. Um, she talks about how the pollen moves from person to person through windows. My eyes streamed with tears. Um, and then it ends. And did you close the window too? Uncertain now what you were meant to do with all that tenderness. So... Again, this is my damage. I just want to scream. Like, yes, I I cannot abide us as poets making this experience pretty. I know it was necessary. I was absolutely, you know, I'm a big, I'm I'm a good good Daniel Andrews fan. Like, I have no issues <laughs> with everything that that happened uh, in in Melbourne and that we went through. But like, I don't want it to look like this. Um, now that's not an objective assessment of this poem, but that is my reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want me to tell you what my fourth place is? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Pollen. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay. So why did, why did it not, I mean, yeah, it was your, your second to second to yes. least favorite. Um, so saccharine. It should have a warning. Diabetics should not, like, you cannot, like, don't read it. Um, <laughs> um, the two main, the two main things about how it was written. I balked at her use of the first person plural. Yes, that's it. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, the we. <laughs> Who's we? I'm not. Not me. No, no. no not no. me. And the question at the end, I think, is a very good example of how to have a, what I call a bad question in a poem. You can have a good question in a poem. I think this is bad because it's a question at the end where she's basically saying, yes, you do agree with me, don't you? And I'm saying, actually, no, it's a I'm it's not. a Mary Oliver question. It's what what were you mm -hmm. going to do with your one wild and precious life? Mm. I don't know, Mary, but could could you just leave me alone? <laughs> yes, it felt very bossy. Tell me that you noticed. Mm. No, nah. I don't like being bossed in a poem. <laughs> <laughs> now that being said, now why did I? Why did I think it would be number four and not number five? Why didn't I flip the the two? Is because I I do I do respect some of the craftsmanship that went into 
you know, despite myself, despite how obvious it was in its message, I couldn't help but be enamored with the boy stroking its fur, the girls kicking at it. It's kind of a cool structure. Like it sort of reminds me of a, of a, the way action would move in a Miyazaki film. Like something would start in one place and then move through and affect various things and then end up somewhere else and there, there would be this epiphanic moment. Um, yeah. That is, that is spot on. That's spot on. Actually, you know, he has these little dust mites who are actually friendly little creatures. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, yes, it's sort called? of like that. Yeah. But you know, without the slightly ominous, although maybe it is slightly ominous, but yeah, I felt it was, it was obvious and it, uh, and I also rolled, I, you know, I rolled my eyes at a certain point and I just put on them in the marginalia, I roll. <laughs> when, when, when she, uh, when she said it was better, if, it was best if we just locked ourselves away and didn't show we cared. I, I don't know. I mean, we we didn't show we cared i don't know yeah and the locking the locking ourselves away was the mark of caring yeah yeah that seems that that doesn't seem like it quite clicks together um i'm deeply uncomfortable with with this level of criticism of a of a living poet and somebody who's probably just like quite a nice person um so we're not <laughs> But like I have to be, I'm gonna to have to be the bad guy here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm the bad guy, because you know why? I tell you why. I was thinking this is a perfect workshop poem. Every if if this came up in a workshop, everyone would be, I would be, I mean, complimenting it, left, right, and center, because it's true, actually, everything yeah. right. But we're grown up now. We're big girl poets. We're not. <laughs> We're not workshopping this poem for Claire Pollard. We're just giving our own, it's our own opinion. Look, I'm, I'm a nobody Eleanor from Australia. If she cares what I think about her poem, then like that's on her. It's not on me. I'm, I'm, it's got nothing to do with her. It's just my reaction to a poem. All right. Let, let's keep going and see if I can get over myself. What was my number four? Okay. Celia Knapp. I'm shouting, I loved your dad at my brother's cat. I loved your dad is in all caps. You surprised me. <laughs> You're surprising <laughs> me. You're surprising me, you know, in, in a, it's, it's very pleasant actually. So I think this is a lot funnier than Poland, but it is still, uh, again, going back to my conversation with Ursula, it's it's a little bit flea bag. It's a little bit doing the misery. Um, oh, yes. It's a little bit like hopeless, hopeless female. I do really, I do think when you died, though, I asked you not to. I got some rest. is is quite a cool way to express grief. Um, but then there are really annoying impossibilities in it, like. I got your name tattooed on my finger, but it keeps falling off when I do the washing up. I know that poetry can include impossibilities, but they can also be really distracting. And I find that one like really takes you out of the poem. Um, 
the last line I find very, very funny. Pierced ears and a soft hat. I mean, that that's it's just so <laughs> stupid and, and kind of delightful. Um, yeah. You're on the mend, pierced ears and a soft hat. Um, yeah, but again, it's, it's a poem about grief. I think in most of these poems, somebody has died, so it does feel weird um, because this, this feels extremely real. Yeah, I like the, I like the weird um, non sequiturs, but it's, you know, Bonnie, if Bonnie, if I showed this to Bonnie, she would say, you can see the stitch marks on this, Alice, go back and try again. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yes. But I would totally write this, like, yeah. So interesting. Wow. Mm. This is the best. This is the best. <laughs> I hope so. Well, I, I should tell you that in in this is my in place three, this is my number three. That's so your three. A, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. Um we might pick the same winner, which would be very cool. Although I don't think we're going to. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Um I I have to say I, I was distracted by the tattoo falling off as well. And you know me, I love surreal. Love, you love a surreal move. Yeah. yeah it just didn't, it just stood out sort of like a sore thumb in the, didn't, it didn't seem to go with the poem. Mm. I. That's one of those details. Remember our teacher who um, talked about poetry BO and how she didn't want to be known for talking about poetry BO. That, <gasps> like this line that you pull through from another poem and you don't, you just want to use it somewhere. Like that seems like one of those. Oh my god, I forgot the BO line. Exactly. <laughs> Spot on. Spot Sorry, you mean Spot on. Yes, yes. Um I had look, why did I why did I put it above the other two? I was I I, I really enjoyed the voice of it. Apart from that one distraction. Yeah, the I voice thought, is funny and yeah, it even was, though she's clearly grieving, yeah. Yeah, it it had it had an edge to it that I felt I felt it was a very authentic voice. I think it I I agree with you about you know that the the stitches are showing, is that what she says? Because you know, there were some line breaks that seemed haphazard it didn't seem like it had been absolutely thought through i'm just looking now at the title it confused me yeah, it's a very I, it, confusing title it confused me because it uses the, the second person your but then in the poem she's not talking to the cat she's talking to her brother to her dead brother so it was yep. just slightly confusing to me at the beginning yeah, this is a is a thing that I get caught in all the time where I'm in love with the with the detail which is personal to me. I really want to communicate why it matters and but because I can't let go I just get stuck in like a yeah, it's just a failure of of an ability to communicate something when really it should be like forget about the cat, forget about the brother write something totally different to communicate what it is you're trying to say here. Uh, Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I think that would have been an amazing thing to say, to say to her, you know, like, 
we're not workshopping we're big never we know workshopping <laughs> do you think I, I i put a question mark here also because i thought to myself how much of my critique here is because i'm in my 50s and she's young is this do you reckon maybe more of a young person's poem in which case maybe i'm just not the right or reader for it i was going to say audience but <laughs> reader ah <laughs> uh, look i mean <laughs> uh, am I your, your your only old friend? No, 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 no. I <laughs> I have friends who would be in their fifties. I mean, there's a certain point at which your female friends will stop telling you their ages. But I have um, friends in in their fifties, sixties, and seventies, and I don't think that age has anything to do with it. I think it has to do with the the openness of the reader's mind, and your mind would be one of the most open that I can think of when it comes to poetry. So I really, I really doubt it. It could be that the, some of the turns of phrase are, are just irritating to you, but yeah. I think they'd be irritating to a young person also, possibly more so because they're seeing uh -huh. their own language kind of reflected back at them and put in this sort of celebrated context, you know, I don't know. I think this happens quite a bit. I imagine I've never judged a prize before until today, but I imagine it happens a lot, like when you're on the, the prize panel, you probably see a bunch of really unfinished poems because there's a deadline, there's a big chunk of money, so, you know, relatively, and so you probably get a bunch of poems just, just like that. Yes. yes. Rushed through. All right, so that was your number three. Yes. My me. number three was, I think you're going to be mad at me, my number three was... Carl Phillips, Scattered Snows to the North. Oh. Yeah, it's I'm true. I'm kind of taking this personally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not. But I, um, yes, no, please, please continue. I'm interested in what you have to say. Okay, so this is not an unfinished poem. Um, this poem has obviously, it's obviously the result of a lot of hard work and a lot of redrafting and a lot of reading and this guy clearly knows what he's doing i i like its exhausted tone and i do like anything that writes against the narcissism of the moment so this this poem scattered snows to the north is about uh well it, it sets it up by saying to begin with does it matter that the roman empire was still early in its slow unwinding into never again then as now didn't people burst into tears in front of other people or in private for no reason they were willing to give or they weren't yet able to or for just no reason that's great loving it loving it anything that talks about how now is is not more special than any other time you've got me on board um but then the turn to i've never stopped missing you i used to practice saying for when i'd need those lines as I assumed I would. Yeah, it, it the, the sentimentality was just a bit more than I was able to get behind. Wow, absolutely fascinating. That bit that you just read out is my favorite part of the poem. The, the Roman Empire bit? Oh, no, the missing no. you bit? Yeah. Okay, so that's I've never stopped missing you. I used to. Oh, just saying it now, my, my like my stomach does a flip. 
And it's just like, it's better than listening to, you know, music about missing someone to me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to disagree on this one. Love it. Love it. So say more. Say, I mean, say more. Okay. I've never stopped missing you. I used to practice saying for when I'd need those lines, as I assumed I would, given what I knew then. Nothing really about things like love, trust, the betrayal of trust, and a willfulness that's only deepened inside me. This is such a dumb like way of, of critiquing this, but it's 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 what I got pulled up on the other week in in workshop, which is you're giving the reader everything you're telling. You're telling the whole story. And I would I would rather be led to those conclusions by detail and and specificity rather than just to be told I've never stopped missing you. Even though like obviously those are these feelings I absolutely relate to. Like I get I get what Carl Phillips is after here and um you know, it's not it doesn't annoy me in the way that um a pretty lockdown poem is going to annoy me. Like I'm I'm there with him. I just I just want to be told less. See, I I um, had a different reading. I think he's telling something quite different. I don't think he's I don't think he's saying I never stop missing you. I think he's saying I stopped missing you. No, I didn't. Maybe I did. Actually, no, I didn't. Yes, I did. I'm always thinking about you, but actually, I'm really pleased we not together. I think the whole, and I think it's from. You know, it's interesting because when you read it, I thought, oh, my God, that sounds terrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I think a lot of it is that it's the line breaks. It's it's the line breaks. So the way, because when I read it, I, I read it, um, well, I'll just start sort of midline. So if, you know, if, if people are playing along, <laughs> it's the first stanza's penultimate line of that stanza. I've never... And there's a, just a pause, stop missing you. I used to, a longer pause because you're about to go into the, a new stanza. I used to, like, I, I used to miss you. I used to, oh, I used to practice saying. Oh, did you, did you practice? Why would you practice saying something that you feel? Was it hard to say or maybe, so you continue when I'd, for, for when I'd, okay, when, when are you practicing this for? For when I'd need those lines, at which point I'm swooning because lines of the poem, lines to a lover. So no. like, are you ready? Carl Phillips, I'm yours, take me. No, no. Yes. I am not swooning. I'm not swooning at all. It's, it's so the, romantic. It's massively distracting. Yes, no, but that's, but that's the point because he is what he's showing you is you know the distraction in his head it it is i agree it's distracting it's because you don't know like what like hey man like decide like you know like if a friend was talking to you like oh but i miss him and it's like and i hate him and it's like but i'm good i i've practiced i've practiced and i can say it to him and it's like let me practice you know like here you know <laughs> okay okay and, I can, I can... and it's just and you want to say get yourself together slap slap 
yeah, but his wife's see... not going to get himself together. Yeah, I can see that doubling back and when it gets to I would, given what I knew then, nothing really um, about things like love, trust, the betrayal of trust. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't um, invite me in. Those line breaks just push me away and, uh, mm. and I feel as if I am watching a PowerPoint presentation. Wow. I think this is going down my list. <laughs> wow. No, 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 no. Let's look at the last stanza. I feel like it, it, it really um, it redeems itself at the end. Honestly, the Roman Empire, despite my once having studied it, barely makes any sense to me now. Pass the back and forth thing. Oh, I really hate back and forth thing. That was bad. Oh, my God. One of my favorite parts of the poem because it describes what he's doing in the first, in the second stanza. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> but sure. I can see how that would be annoying. Like if you're annoyed by the back and by by the what is it prevarication or whatever? Yeah, whatever prevarication. The word, yeah. Well, then you'd be annoyed with him using that four thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was. Mm, yeah, I was I annoyed imagine. by the four thing. Um, the last half of the stanza. But there were people, of course, too. Most of them destined to be unremembered, who filled in their drawn lives anyway. Because what else is there to where the edges gave out? If it was night, they lit fires, presumably. Tears were tears. Now, I don't like ending on tears were tears, but if it was night, they lit fires, presumably, is um, very, very casual, very, very light. Uh, it says a lot in just a few words, and that almost redeems the whole thing for me. But then he goes to tears were tears, and... Just, yeah, the he it's heavy-handed. It's heavy-handed mm, to yeah, my I can, ear. I, I can see that, but, um, yeah. No, I had, um, yeah, the, the, I can see that objectively, but subjectively it wasn't, I didn't read it like that. I wrote in the margin, in the margins, a few things. So going back to the first stanza, I'll these are a few more reasons that I like. Do you want me to tell you a few more reasons why I like the poem? Or do yeah, you want to say it. more? No, no, that, yeah? I've said everything I need to say. Okay, so there's two questions. <laughs> so there's two question marks. So this is just me, like, I, just having a, a huge poetry crush on Carl Phillips just for the craft itself. So this is, this is, so... First of all, there's two question marks in the first stanza. They're really the same question. This is compared to the pollen question. This, I think, is an example of a quote-unquote good question. It's a question that you don't have an answer to. It's a question that's going to open things up for the reader rather than close everything down. Then there's, the, there's a certain that he uses meter, rhyme, and at some point alliteration in a way that I really admire. And I think that's what makes the difference. See, what I was talking about, the line breaks before, I think this is the, a poem that could be just really terrible if not for the craft. So, for example, the third line, unwinding into never again then, I just love that. The last line of the first stanza, I've never stopped missing you, I used to. 
ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, it's it's almost as good as a song is what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> I miss you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Love it. I mean. Then the, the ability he has to explain, I know what I'm doing. I'm going back and forth. When he says, honestly, I wrote LOL, you know, like, oh, yeah, honestly, like you honestly, as if you even know what you feel. And also beyond that, even deeper, I think there's a tiny glimmer in this poem of him having, there's some bad blood. There's, there's still there's still something in him that is very upset about this guy, like this person, whoever it is there's still something definitely left out, you know, unsaid. Mm. So, oh, and the title, what do you think of the title? It sounds like um, shipping forecast quote, which is a thing yeah. that poets do sometimes. Uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. I thought it was, I thought it was a reference to the, um, the army maybe. So, you know, the army's kind of taking notes of the weather and do you think the roman empire is alluding to the american empire definitely yeah it's, it's the only it, thing it could be alluding to right yeah so it's mm -hmm. a political so in a way <laughs> so also it's a political poem in a way because it's it's all about look i know there's global issues but i'm having this issue right now <laughs> listen to me <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about this guy from my past. <laughs> Look, I don't think I can come around to it, but I love how much you love it. I love how into Carl Phillips you are at the moment. It's the best. Cool. Tell me your number two pick. So my number two, oh, let me, um, is... Louisa Campbell's dog on a British Airways Airbus 319-100. Okay. Describe this poem for us. Well, it is, uh, you might say that it's a, a concrete poem. That's one way to put it. It only has two words in it. One is repeated many times. That's the word human. The other is dog. That has only one occurrence. <laughs> It's just so freaking awesome. <laughs> I I actually, I want a print of this and frame it. I want it on my wall. I think this is, this is, you know, once in a blue moon, someone like this comes along and just gets it so, so right. There's, there's humor there's, I mean, I it it sounds ridiculous, but I think there's substance to it as well. It's a perfect <laughs> combination of humor and and substance. I thought long and hard about this, you know, where I would put it, because you know, is this is this a poem that is going to by putting this poem above any other poem? Am I saying that concept comes before? you know, all the work, because this is, this is a concept. She didn't work on, <laughs> yeah, she didn't work on meter or rhyme and it's um, fantastic. I think the title is perfect. 
if if you changed anything about this, um, you'd ruin it. I just love it. But apart from anything, you show this to anyone and they'll love it and they'll smile. You know, agreed. Agreed. I think and this is damn. A that point. is well, that doesn't happen very often. Apart from the people who would say that's not a poem. Yeah, but before they say that, they'll smile. Yeah, I think they probably will smile. Um, well, my second top choice is Up Late by Nicolette. Oh. <laughs> oh, so yeah. this, like at the start, the first time I read it, I was so infuriated by it. I thought it was unfinished, messy. I thought that the subject matter was making up for a total lack of craft. And then I just kept thinking about it and I kept thinking about what he was doing. I went back and read it again and I was like, oh, okay, I think I think I can see the strategy here. Um, it is a mess. Uh, it's ragged. It's got some real clunkers. Like we said before, that ICU bit is truly terrible. But I think it might actually be pretty much perfect for what it's trying to do. And this gets into something that like, I think we haven't quite nailed yet, which is like, how much do you excuse a poem if it's performing the thing it's writing about? Is it enough to just say, well, he's grieving and grieving's confusing and, and some days are better than others. And so that's what the poem should look like. That's not, that's not why I'm giving it points, but I do think that's in there. I, I think I just love this because it's so fucking honest and he is putting himself on the line. Like that to the start of the last stanza, fuckity fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> like it's just, it's. <laughs> It's terrible and stupid, but it's very, very real. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I actually agree with that, yeah. I also love anything that switches between really high, that kind of mythic tone, and then brings it back to reality with references to things like ordering crap online. <laughs> which he does yeah it's just so it's so all over the place and it, it's so committed to that strategy of being all over the place like there's another couplet i want the poem to destroy time that's amazing and then he follows that up by saying what are the ceremonies of forgetting that's terrible <laughs> that's, like, that's really over the top but i kind of yeah i just kept thinking about it and every all these other ones if I'm honest, probably most of all scattered snows to the north. Just I just went by me. I didn't yeah. care. But this one kind of drew me in. I was like, okay, what what the hell are you doing here, man? Yes. This is weird and upsetting and bad, but also great. There is something about it. It stays with you. It stays with you. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not like a bad smell. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. No, definitely not. No, no. no. It's odd moments. Um, yeah, don't necessarily detract from the whole. I take your point, yeah. I I wanted to come down harder on it because I think it'll probably win. Huh. Um, 
the subject matter, the length, like long poems always win prizes because people think that poems should be long if they're going to get money. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just, I just think it'll probably win. I can't see them putting any of the other poems above this one. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Although I suppose the fuckity fuck fuck might might detract. <laughs> I don't. We'll no, see. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm. Because the the kind of poems they shortlisted. Yeah. Uh, but you can do anything on a shortlist. I actually thought maybe pollen would win. Frankly. No. Yeah. Oh God. Well, I mean, how much has to do with the the I mean, do you think they look at the poet's previous works and whether they've won anything? Because if I remember correctly, I mean I may not be remembering correctly, but Claire Pollard has a lot of books out already and has never, I don't think she's ever won anything. Mm. Maybe not even been shortlisted. Well, I, I don't getting into know it. if that comes into it. Like who knows? It, it would depend on who's on the panel and how much they want to play games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you um, were aware of, you know, that um, uh, Drop Bear won the Stella this year. Yes. Did you watch Evelyn Araluen's acceptance speech? No, I didn't. No. It's really excellent for, for a lot of reasons, but most of all, maybe not most of all, but one of the things I liked about it was that she says, like, you know, this is great. I can pay my bills now for a while. But also it's insane that I – that we as writers are just so goddamn poor and, you know, you guys have to do something about that. That's a whole separate thing. As I said at the start, a thousand pounds is not going to change anyone's life or maybe even week. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So I'm confused now. I've, what's your number one? Carl Phillips. Oh, Carl Phillips is your yeah, number yeah. one. I spoke about it when you were you choosing did. him, but he's, you yeah, did. he's, he, to me, is head and shoulders above all the others. I mean, definitely as far as the craft. I mean, mm. to me, he's a master. I mean, okay, okay, you know, haven't read everything in, you you know, in the so world. I'm no confessor. You gone. Oh, to, my to God. Me, he's, well, no, no. I'm not, I don't think, in my defense, <laughs> in comparison to the other four poems, I'm not saying he's a master generally and, you know, and I worship at his feet. But I think... <laughs> I, I, I think there's absolutely no doubt that when you've read, also, it's not really quite fair when you think about it, because I think this, I mean, it is fair, but it isn't fair. This poem of his, I think it's from the book that just came out, um, you know, and it's a polished poem in a polished book that's just been published by uh, Carcanet. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Carcanet. That's right. I think it's Carcanet. Carcanet. So... You know, it's quite different from, let's say, um, another poem that may have been in Perverse, which is a, a journal on Substack. So it's very polished. So you want you want to reward the the hours taken, the time taken over the. I I think know. once I once I decided that I was okay with judging, <laughs> I decided I'd have to be. I really would have to judge. Like I really would have to judge. Is this is this a a, a po which is the poem that to me has has the most substance 
in both a form and content. Okay. So that that was my yeah my thought. Those are good criteria. Okay. So wait a minute. So your number one is my number one poem that I am going to award the forward prize to the forward prize for a single poem is Louisa Campbell. Dog on a British Airways Airbus 319. <laughs> I, I, honestly, if she wins instead of Carl Phillips, I'm doing standing ovation anyway. <laughs> like, it's like, yes! <laughs> this poem is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I fucking love it. It's so stupid. It's the same reason that I love Monty Python, Mighty Bush. It's the same British dumbness that meant that they ended up voting a polar research vessel, Bodie McBoatface. It makes me so happy. You're a hundred percent right. Like if you showed this to someone, they would just, they would smile. It's a joke. It's a quick little joke. Good on the forward prize for showing that it has some sense of humor at all. Not sure where you guys were when I was in London, but clearly somebody there has a bit of a sense of humor. Uh, this feels like putting this on the short list feels a bit like a fuck you to someone. Oh yeah. But okay. I have, I have a big problem though, mm -hmm. Louisa. Mm -hmm. So look, a British Airways Airbus 319-100 has a maximum passenger capacity of 144. And this poem only has a, has 125 passengers on it. You fact-checked, you fact-checked the poem. That I, only took, I, I like, worship at your feet. No, 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 but this is the thing. That only took me like three minutes. Yes. So I feel like Louisa should have uh, should have done that. And also I don't understand what. why are there these two humans at the front? Are they like the, like what's going on there? Yeah, I, well, I kind of like that. But then now, do I like it? It should be, it should be a a representation of the whole plane, Louisa. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, okay, I agree with you. You still get the money. It's I agree with you. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I read a little interview with her. I did no research on any of these poets, but I wanted to know. I just wanted to make sure this wasn't some reference to a current affairs thing that I was unaware of, but yeah. it's not. It's just a dumb poem. Um, and she said in a little interview with uh, her local newspaper, of course, the other thing about Dog on a British Airways Airbus 319-100 is that, as with everything I write, the poem is steeped in meaning if the reader wants it to be. It can be about isolation, about difference, or about inclusivity and acceptance. But clearly it's not, and it doesn't have to be. It's just dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's not about any of those things. <laughs> it's probably paying lip service to it. Although there is something that the... Um... I guess being a dog lover and also having, you know, fairly recently adopted my greyhound, I am much more aware than I would have been. If I'd read this poem, uh, you know, a year ago, I, I probably wouldn't have been as aware of, you know, the way humans treat dogs and the the different... Uh, no, you're overthinking. I mean, I you're overreading it. No, 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 no. I'm no. overreading None of this. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, stop I'm stopping myself because I'm spoiling the poem. Yeah, yeah. It's just a joke. It's a funny, but, funny joke. But that being said, okay, okay, a couple of other things. Okay, let me see if you if you go for this one then. Let me okay. try another one. All right. She's got 
she's definitely got two stanzas. So she she's, I mean, it is a poem. And there is, um, what I'm thinking of actually is there's this, um, this group of poets in France called the Ulipo group. Do you remember? We we did it a little bit in Modpo. Yeah, I remember. They, they do they come up with conceptual stuff like let's let's write a novel without the letter E in it. You know, and they just, you know, these mathematicians that are also poets have a lot of fun together. And there's a guy called Jacques Roubaud who I had, oh my God. Like a you decade and Jacques ago, were like it was real. It me was and really Jacques, real. man, he came to the Sydney Writers Festival, and I was just in love, as as were as were everyone. <laughs> and he has um he has a sonnet, and you can actually um you can actually uh, Google it and find him. You can find it online with him reading it, and it's called um, Life. A sonnet or la vie sonnet <laughs> and he it's a sonnet that only has the digit zero and the digit one okay, and he so like reads binary. and it, and so it's you know so he and he reads it emo, emotionally emotively so it's uh uh zero 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 uh uh zero Zero, uh, uh, zero. It sounds unbearable. What are you it is about? the best thing. If you look again, no one will not laugh. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, it's the greatest fun, and it's poking fun at sonnets. It's 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 taking itself not very seriously, but at the same time making a statement. I think this is sort of doing something similar. I don't think so. I don't think this is making any kind of statement. I don't think that it means anything beyond the joke that you get immediately as soon as you look at it. And I applaud the forward prize for including this. And I am, I am pleased to award this the prize for best single poem. As I elbow you out of the way. <laughs> Carl Phillips. Brad Carl Phillips. On to... <laughs> Come here, Mr. Phillips. <laughs> <laughs>